0: began last Sunday a sermon series on talking with God uh, encouraging ourselves in our prayer life not just in our own heart but also in our homes if you didn't get one of the packets for the series you can pick up some information out at the tables Uh, we ran out of packets last week but we do have some other materials that were in the packet that are kind of spread out there are things for couples there's things for single adults you can find a number of tools to help you talk with God in a better and deeper way Today's sermon is called Bigger Prayers. Learning how to pray bigger prayers. In 1973, our nation decided that it would be legal to have abortions. And from that moment in 1973, the church began to pray that God would reverse that particular decision. Now, since we've been praying in 19, since 1973, I'm sure we grew tired in that perhaps. I'm sure we thought that will never change. It's the law of the land and yet God has finally started to move in a new direction in this nation. Now that hasn't taken abortion completely out. There are states where that can still happen but here in Oklahoma uh, we have chosen to be a pro-life state and that has opened up a door for us to minister to life. Uh, We will be a service provider now stepping into that not just praying about the issue of life but also serving those who are giving birth to life so any mother who is pregnant or has a child up to 12 months of age we can provide services for that family we can provide up to 26 free items that can be diapers or formula or uh you know anybody know what a binky is i've been through the binky stage we got baby bought we'll have all kinds of items that we'll be able to distribute to help a family in their budget. We'll also be able to provide uh, educational classes and mentoring to help young moms become the mother and the family God has designed them to be and we need your help in that. If you can help provide some kind of the material goods for that service, you see we're doing a baby drive all this month and we need a lot more items to come in, You can go on our website and find the list of items. You can go out to our Amazon baby registry page for PCBC. You can order there, have it delivered to the church, or you can go to Walmart, Target, or wherever you shop, and you can bring those items in. We're learning that we need to pray bigger prayers. I want us to look into God's Word today and make sure that we don't just settle for an average prayer life, but that we would allow God to expand our discipline of prayer. If we're not careful, our prayer life is just relegated to praying over meals, and there's nothing wrong with that. We should be praying over those meals, especially depending on who cooked it. Can I get an eight A- No, don't you amen right there, guys. Don't go there. Uh, we should pray over our meals, but more than that, we should be praying for God to give us our daily bread, uh, the spiritual things. We need to pray over our soul as much as we do our plates. We need to be praying not for our desires, but learn to pray about God's desires. We need to not just simply pray about things that are happening in our natural world but that we elevate our prayers and think about the things in the spiritual realm God's kingdom and God's kingdom coming to this earth as it would be in heaven and so we've challenged you to take on a personal challenge called 752 that challenge is simply this the seven is pray every day seven days a week this week You personally, it doesn't matter, we're not saying pray for an hour or two hours, we're just saying every day make a commitment to pray to the one who created you and the one who saved you. We are asking you to challenge yourself to pray five days a week with your family. If you live with family, that you would pray with them five days a week. If you're not living with them, at least pray for them, get on the phone through the week, let them know you're praying for them. Uh, Pray through FaceTime, whatever you got to do to engage with your family. And then, two times a week, if you're married, do that with your spouse and pray one on one, just you as a couple. Now, as you look at that challenge, 752, uh, what numbers would flash up on the screen for you this past week? The last seven days, what would your numbers be? Would you be able to hit the seven? I prayed every day this week. I, I found some time just to talk to God. Five times this week, I engaged with my family. Two times. Or would it be a, a three? a one and a one uh, whatever your numbers are don't let the enemy beat you up and say look you weren't true to your commitment look you failed this week you fell short now use that as an inventory use that as a challenge say you know this week lord uh lord i'm going to increase that number maybe from a three to a five from that three or a two in the second column up to a four and whatever you've got to do keep making strides growing in prayer learning to pray and then praying last week if you weren't here we gave you this acrostic we'll put it up on the screen Uh, we used the word prayer or pray and we talked about four disciplines to help us pray more i'd encourage you to get a prayer notebook and start keeping some notes like this and write these things down let it be just kind of a guide and and say okay lord today and start with each category praise god i praise you for who you are that you're not just my creator you're not just my savior you're my shepherd you're my healer, you're my counselor, you're my comforts, you're my safe place, my tower of refuge when the enemy's trying to destroy me, you are my champion, my vic- it can go on and on and on and in that notebook next to the P for praise, when you see things in scripture that reveal who God is, write it down in that section. Build that section, build a list and grow in your prayer life as you learn to praise God we all pretty much have the r down that's where we make a request of God but today we're going to see in the sermon how those requests may look different than they've looked in the past so we'll come back to the R. A, A is admitting what's going on in my heart what's going on in my life admitting to God where I've fallen short of his glory asking for God to cleanse that and to forgive me of that but not acting like nothing's going on nothing wrong is there at least confessing that admitting what's happening in my heart and finally the why you close out your prayer time yielding to god what has he shown you in his word that morning what has the holy spirit been speaking to your life where is it that you want to keep control but you need to release that control and say lord not my will but your will be done that's learning how to pray deeper but let's learn how to pray bigger you have your bibles go to james chapter 4 and verse 3. james would challenge his congregation about their issues in prayer and it was different it wasn't that they weren't praying they were it wasn't that they weren't asking of God they were but watch this James chapter 4 verse 3 he says you ask and you do not receive now there are some people not receiving from God what he has for their life because they're not asking they're too busy too distracted uh, doing their own thing they're not concerned about God's will or God's ways and so it's easy many times to drift out of that discipline of prayer. We can be like the disciples were last Sunday, remember? Jesus took them on the mountain to pray and what were they doing? Sleeping all the way through it. Uh, We've prayed before. Uh, Man, we've worked hard and they were tired and exhausted and they slept when they should have been praying. There are a lot of sleeping Christians today that need to wake up and start praying. You have not because you ask not. But in this case, James says you also have not because you are asking, but here's the issue. You ask with wrong motives. James says you're, you're too caught up in asking for what you want, for what would pleasure you, for what your desire is. You're asking with the wrong motives. So on one hand, there are those who aren't asking, who aren't even praying. Then there are those who are praying and asking, but they're asking with the wrong motives, and both miss the heart of God. So how can we learn to pray deeper how can we learn to pray bigger well Jesus taught us when he taught us to pray he said pray in this way and one of the last things he taught him to pray for was to pray not our will but his will to pray for his kingdom to come to earth as it would be in heaven Jesus was teaching his disciples God's Word will teach us today to go deeper not to just pray about the things of this earth and what we're experiencing but to pray about bigger things, God's kingdom, not our kingdom. So what does that look like? What, what does that mean? Go to Acts chapter 4. Find Acts chapter 4. Now, the book of Acts is the history of the church. It goes back to the very beginning. Jesus has died. He has risen from the dead. He has told his disciples to go and to wait until Pentecost. And on that day, he would send his Holy Spirit that they were not to do another thing until they had that power living in them. Pentecost happens in Acts chapter 2. The church is filled with the Spirit. The Spirit dwells in them, and they now are are carrying out God's kingdom purposes. In Acts chapter 3, we'll find Peter and John as they're moving about the city. Uh, They are actually going to the temple at the ninth hour, which was the hour of, listen to this, prayer. It was their commitment too. Seven days a week, they were praying unto the Lord. They were praying for God's will to be done. They go to the temple to pray, and as they're going to pray, there in front of them is a lame man, a man who has not walked since he's been born. He's there every day, begging for change, begging for money, because he can't earn a living, he can't walk, he can't move, but he could beg for money. As Peter and John walked by, they stopped, they didn't ignore the man, but they did speak to the man, and he said, listen, I don't have silver and gold, I I can't give you that, but what I do have, I will give you. Get up and walk. What did he have that the man didn't have? The man thought he needed more silver, more gold to live, he needed Jesus in his life to live. We find Peter and John as they're living their daily lives they're committed to the discipline of prayer and as they go about their life of prayer they also keep focused on the purpose of life which was to share the giver of life Jesus and so as they continue on there is a huge revival that breaks out in town take a look at it Acts chapter 4 verse 1 here's the rest of the story that's the context look at verse 1 So as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, these people who had seen this lame man healed, they start gathering around and they start saying, what is going on? As this crowd gathers, Peter begins to preach and it will tell us here 5,000 men gave their lives to Christ. It was rocking the city, and the Jewish leaders of that town wanted nothing to do with it. So verse 3, they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was evening. And many of those who heard the message, the number of these men came to be 5,000. So we look in on these early days of the church. They are committed to prayer. They were going to the temple to pray. They were committed to ministry. They were ministering to people in their city, but now they're under a great attack. The religious leaders and most of the power players of Jerusalem wanted Christians out of their town and out of their lives and they were putting many of them to death. It's a big challenge. It was a big problem. Drop down to verse 13 and as they begin to practice discipline or their form of justice on Peter and John in verse 13 it says they observed the confidence of Peter and John. They weren't shaking in their boots. They weren't crying, Oh God, save us from punishment, save us from prison, save us from death. They saw these men that were full of confidence, full of the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And it was their understanding in that moment. They said, How can this be? How are these guys? Why are people listening to them? Why are people following them? How are they working miracles? These are uneducated, untrained men these are basically the nobodies of our city but watch this they did recognize this one thing that these were men who had been with Jesus that made all the difference in the world these weren't men who had been to seminary these weren't men who were polished professional spiritual leaders and rabbis these were untrained uneducated Basically, redneck dudes that were allowing God to do something special in their lives. Verse 14, and seeing the men who had been healed standing with the, the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place to them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. They had made up all kinds of lies about Jesus. They had fabricated all kinds of things about this cult called Christianity. Doing everything they could to disservice and discredit with fake news. But they couldn't fake this news. There were too many eyewitnesses. They had watched this guy from birth grow up lame. And now he's walking around. You can't explain that but God. So they didn't know what they were going to do. So then they decided, well, what we can do is tell these guys to quit doing what they're doing you see that's what the enemy wants to do in your life and in mine he may not be able to touch your salvation but he can touch the ministry of your salvation you see we weren't just saved to go to heaven we were saved so that we could be the children of God yes but also to be the ambassadors of God to a world that needs to know the same Jesus that's changed our lives and so the enemy will do everything he can to rob you of that ministry, and the first thing he will attack is your prayer life. The next thing he will attack is he will attack you with the spirit of fear, and if you're not walking with God, you will quickly run to the issues of your flesh. Verse 18, so when they had summoned them, they commanded him not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to heed what you say rather than God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Now, it's getting real for Peter and John. They have been arrested and they have been warned by the authorities. You are to stop doing what you're doing or it was implied and basically told it could cost you your life. That's a big challenge. That's bigger than a lot of challenges we face in this room today. Even though our challenges feel really big to us. That is paled in comparison to what they were facing. Life threatened uh, promises of these religious leaders. So how did they respond? What did they do? What can we learn from history? Well, they didn't shut up. They didn't give up. You know what they did? They gathered the saints together to pray. Take a look at it. Verse 23. What they did, we should do. What should you do when life gets overwhelming? Well, it's easy for the preacher to say, pray about it. But what should we do? We should gather others up with us. Uh, That's why we have our ABF groups. That's why we have youth group. That's why we have children's ministry. For us to come together in groups and be able to pray for one another and to pray with each other. And that's exactly what Peter and John did. They didn't go out as the lone rangers and just keep fighting the fight on, on their own. They got others around them to pray for them and to pray with them. Maybe that needs to happen before you leave this room this morning. Maybe you need somebody to pray over you or to pray with you, or maybe you need to pray for somebody who's in this room. Verse 23, so when they had been released, they went to their own companions, their brothers and their sisters in Christ, and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they all scattered into hiding. Is that what it says? Well, it'd be easy it'd be easy for them to say well hey Peter and John we'll pray for you but we really don't want to hang out with you right now because you, you, we're going to be guilty by association so why don't you go do what God's called you to do we'll pray for you and just know we're praying no they didn't what they did take a look at what they did it says they all lifted their voices to God with one accord they began to pray about it they understood how to live through life and how to face life's challenges the problem for us today is we are praying about our challenges the problem is we're praying by ourselves we're praying one-on-one with God and we should be praying but we also need to be coming together and praying for one another that first note I want you to see there is they were praying in one accord it says that they lifted their voices to God with one accord and they said "O Lord it is you who made the heaven and the earth the sea and all that is in them so look at verse 24 again and notice what the early church does they pray p-r-a-y notice that they just didn't pray about it individually they prayed with one another I do encourage you pray seven days a week you ought to have your own prayer closet and your own time to pray with God But I would also encourage you to learn the value of coming to your companions, your brothers and sisters in Christ, your family, and praying together. There's power in corporate prayer. There is a precedent in corporate prayer. They prayed for one another. But notice how they pray. What's the first thing they do? Take a look at it in verse 25. I'm sorry, verse 24. Oh Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them very first thing they start doing they don't start griping about the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They don't automatically start praying against uh, the leaders of Jerusalem. They don't start praying for the government to be removed from Jerusalem and for Rome to fall. You know what they first did? What's the first letter in P? Praise. They began praising God in the middle of their challenge. Have you learned that? have you learned to praise God in the middle of your problems or have we learned how to pout to God about our problems have we learned how to declare who God is or we allow ourselves to pray about how big our problem is the church ran to a big God with their big problems their problems weren't so big when they first started focusing on who God was and that's exactly what they did as they began to pray now let me ask you a question how did they know what to do How did they know what to do when they were facing this? They've never faced this kind of persecution before. They've never been hated like this. They've never been hunted down by the government. How did they know what to do? Verse 13. Verse 13 tells you. You know how they knew what to do? Because they'd been with Jesus. That's how they knew. They'd been on the mountain. Time after time after time with Jesus they had seen Jesus pray. How did they know to begin their prayer with praise that I didn't get a chance to preach to those dudes I didn't give them an acrostic called pray how do they know how to praise God you know how they knew verse 13 because they had been with Jesus so what we're seeing in Acts chapter 4 is a history lesson and they're teaching us what they learned from the master teacher they are simply living what Jesus taught them to do and if we can learn that same lesson could we see the power of God in our prayer life as well that's how they knew what to do go to verse 25 they begin praising God and now they move on what's the next letter r request look at it who by the holy spirit through the mouth of our father David your servant said why did the gentiles rage and the people devise futile things For the kings of this earth took their stand. Their rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. So they begin with praise. And what I want you to see is they begin to make requests of God for help. I want you to see how they ask for that help. How they make their requests. Do you see what they just did in verse 25? What they did was they prayed according to scripture. They quote the word. They let the word be a lamp to their prayer life how did they know what to pray about they started with praise and then they started with what God's Word had already declared when I got saved I didn't grow up in the church I didn't have a clue I just knew I needed the Lord got saved I was a baby Christian and I knew we were supposed to pray and and so I'm trying to learn from Cammie and her mom I'm trying to learn how to pray and I'm praying and because I ate a lot as a as a young man like then an athlete I could eat a lot and I prayed a lot big meals big prayers Then I had to learn prayer was more than just praying a blessing over food. It was engaging in conversation with God, and I didn't know what to pray. And so I would sit down and say, okay, i got to pray, i got to pray, Lord, I want to pray, and I would just start telling God what was ever on my mind. Well, Lord, I had a bad day today, and Lord, I need help with this. I just started making requests of God. I didn't know how to praise God. And even in my request, my requests were not very big and not very deep. Just about my stuff. It was what was on my mind. And what we learn from the church here is they didn't pray what was on their mind. You know what was on their mind? God, we'd love to have a whole different political system in our city. You know what was on their mind? God, we'd love to have peace. You know what was on their mind? God, we don't want to go through pain. We don't want to go through persecution. That's what was on their mind. Is that what they pray for? You know what they prayed about? They prayed according to the word of God. You see, the word of God is what's on God's mind. And I made a big transition in my prayer life when I started realizing I don't need to just share my mind with God. I need to first receive God's mind. And I do that by being in the Word of God. And So every day as we're challenging you to go seven days, every day praying with God, I'd encourage you to be in the Word every day first. Spend time in the Word. Let God's Word speak to you. Let God's mind become your mind and then pray about that and you'll have a much different prayer life. They prayed, starting with praise, then they prayed about God's word and what God has said. You see, if we don't have a compass in our prayer life, if we don't pray and let the word be a lamp into our path, our feelings will, or our mind will, our own understanding will, and we'll get way out there praying about the wrong things with the wrong motives and we'll miss out from God. That's why a lot of people's prayer life isn't making a difference in their life because they're not praying about the right things. God's Word is eternal and God's Word is what matters. Yes, our circumstances are real and yes, the issues of life are real, but that isn't what matters. What matters is God's mind about those things. We need to marry those together. God's Word is like a confirmation number. Now, for some of the younger people in the room, you're not going to be worried about this yet, but you will be one day. Uh, There's going to be a day where you will uh, want to make a hotel reservation. we got several in the room that are about to get married. We're going to be hanging a honeymoon. I remember when Cam and I first went on ours, and uh, this is way before technology. I know, I'm a dinosaur, right? And, and so by faith, we got on an airplane, made our way to Pennsylvania, Pocono Mountains. Bam, it was, the hot, it was the honeymoon capital of the world back then. And we had this fantastic honeymoon plan, but here's the issue. What happens if Cammy and I get off the airplane and we show up at the hotel and we go to check in and we're exhausted and we've been traveling all day and we get there and they say, uh, sir we don't have a reservation in your name. I'm in trouble. Without a confirmation number, without something that verifies what is real, I'm at the mercy of their information. Or those of you moms and dads in the room dealing with medical bills, Uh, You get somebody, a bill collector calls and says you still owe for a bill? You know you paid. You know you paid it more than once. Uh, you paid it and they call you and say oh you've got an outstanding debt. No, 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 I paid that. It's your word against theirs. Guess who wins? Their word unless you have a confirmation. Well I promise you as you go through life, the debt collector of your soul, Satan, will show up every single day with his lies. He will remind you of the debt you need to pay. Oh, look at how messed up you are. Oh, look how you've fallen short of God. Oh, God can't hear your prayers. You're not worthy of God. All these lies he'll throw at you. And if you don't have your confirmation number, if you're not taking on the mind of God, your own understanding, your feelings, and your emotions will betray you. And you won't pray. You'll check out. You'll live defeated. Or you can pray according to God's word. Let me give you an example of God's Word, 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there, I'll put it on the screen, chapter 1 verses 3 through 4. And maybe today you feel overwhelmed, you have an affliction in your life, you have a challenge in your life, and it's just crushing you. Well, you can let that crush you, you can let the circumstance be your reality, or you can let God's Word guide you as you pray through that affliction. Here's what God's Word says, your confirmation number is this blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies the God of all comforts who comforts us in all our afflictions I got to remember that there are times I've been having that day and I'm thinking there's no way I'm making it to midnight tonight I just can't go anymore and I have to go back to the verse not to my emotions not to my energy not to my resources but take on the mind of God, and I have to remind, God, I am confident that you, the one who comforts me in this moment, your mercy is bigger. God, you are greater, and you will bring me through all of my issues. All. There are other verses that you can call on, but let God's word guide you. Quickly, we got to wrap up. Go back to Acts chapter 4, verse 27. Let's learn two more things very quickly about prayer. Pray in deeper. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And what you see in verse 27 verse 28 is they are yes talking to God about what's going on but notice they're looking at what's going on through a God filter they aren't saying God we're in this mess and they're not all panicked because Rome has all the power and because all the Jews want to kill them and all these issues that are going on notice what they said and Lord they wouldn't be there if it wasn't according to your sovereign will so God we're not we're not deceived at what's going on God we know what your word has declared we know you're sovereign over even the governments of our city but they did pray this so now Lord take note of those threats and grant that your bond servants may speak your word with all confidence the next prayer note i want you to see is they took their big problems to a bigger god they didn't let those problems drown them they didn't let those problems discourage them they didn't let those problems deceive them Oh, there's nothing we can do oh we're outnumbered we're overpowered it's outlawed it's illegal in our country there's nothing we can do what was us no They took their big problems to a bigger God and as they took their big problems to God they did it with a big time passion I want to show it to you and we'll close go down to verse 30 so we need to praise God as we pray we need to pray through the Word of God his mind in the matter we need to take those big problems to a bigger God and we need to do it with passion and with purpose take a look at it verse 30 So God, while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. So as they prayed, they didn't pray for God to make them more comfortable. They didn't pray about just the natural issues and ungodly government, uh, unrighteous restrictions. They didn't get caught up in the natural realm. Notice what they're praying about. They're praying about the supernatural. God, continue to to pour out your power in this city. God, continue to work miracles. God, continue to bless this city. I would've wanted to curse that city. A city that's rejecting us, a city that's arresting us, a city that hates us. God, bring your holy, wrathful fire on these people. They're praying for God to work in their city. They're praying for God's kingdom to come into Jerusalem as it would be in heaven to be done right there in their city. And they were praying for God to use them. They were doing it with a passion and they were doing it with a divine purpose. Our prayer lives are relegated to our stuff. Our prayer lives are relegated to our prayer list, which are about things that are happening in our physical realm. That's not what you see them praying about they prayed about bigger things they prayed about things that mattered for all of eternity Now i'm not saying don't pray over one another's health and i'm not saying don't bless your food and i'm not saying don't pray about things in this realm i'm saying make sure as you pray about those things that you also are praying about the things the things that matter for all of eternity so could we start learning to pray for kingdom things could we start letting our prayer lives not just be about what's on our mind but what's on his mind? The Bible tells us in James, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. That word, effective, effective prayer. That's a Greek word which translates. It's pronounced in the Greek energeo. It's it's e n e r g e o. Does that sound like a word you've ever heard before? That's the word energy. It's it, it's speaking of a prayer that isn't just an intellectual prayer about the things that are going on. It's a prayer that comes from the Holy Spirit. This power, this energy, this divine, righteous energy that's in our hearts. It's a release of the Holy Spirit. It's a different kind of prayer. And that kind of prayer accomplishes much. If you do a word study on that word in the Greek, it literally speaks of this energy that happens where you're in this one condition but all of a sudden this energy transforms from where this is to something more powerful it's like all of a sudden turning on a light switch in a room that was once dark that energy now travels through that wire to a light bulb and now there's this burst of light it's that kind of picture and what they were praying is yes god we know it's dark right now we know this is a big thing But as they got passionate about their divine purpose, they started praying for bigger stuff. But God work miracles. God, do the supernatural. And God, strengthen us to live out your kingdom purposes. They pray different than we do. So let's learn from them. And let's pray differently. Would you join me as we pray with every head bowed and every eye closed? Seven days a week, I want to encourage you to pray. P-R-A-Y. Get a little notebook if you have to remind yourselves what to do what i do when first i got to praise god for who he is Well, if you don't know who he is go do some research and google it up names for god and start declaring who god is in your life begin with praise make requests of god pray for big things don't just request that he heal your cold that he give you an a on the test start praying that god would do miracles through you as you minister to people that God would do something eternal today in your life and the people that you intersect admit get real with God spend time and talk with God about what you struggle pray over it like we learned from J best that God would not allow us to be harmed by evil that we would reject that evil that we would admit our sin and let God cleanse us and spend time letting God do a fresh work in your heart and then the why Yield to God, yield to His purposes for your life. Let the Holy Spirit come alive in your prayer life by praying for bigger things, not just things of this earth, but things of His kingdom. That His will would be done on this earth where you live through your life. Let us grow as we pray.